Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter, just what mama named me And as usual, I'm joined by a super special guest here on the first episode It's mad, it's the first episode already of Quick Snaps And this is where I usually snap my fingers and get weird But not with this guest, because I don't want to weird him out And just, you know, come back and he's gone off the call It's Wes Hodkowitz of Packers.com Wes, what's going on buddy? Hey buddy, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. That was a bit of a long diatribe. Usually I click my fingers and get really odd. I liked it. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe the next episode. <laughs> no, I think you're just... doing great. <laughs> All the little jingles and stuff. I'm able to play them to Wes over the phone now, which is great. Wes, you are a super busy man. There's absolutely no doubt. You're also a hashtag pack daddy like I am. So you've got your hands full. So this quick snaps episode is pretty perfect. Now, I have kissed and licked the Blarney Stone as we all know so I talk a lot but this is all about you here and I'm going to try pick your brain on this upcoming game against the Detroit Lions but I can't jump into the Lions without kind of going back uh, to have a look at that Vikings game really really quickly Wes and I'm sure you've pulled your hair out you're bald probably on the back of your hair where you've chose to pull your hair out just, just so that you can take promo pics and do Packers unscripted with Spoff and not look too weird <laughs> with the inbox questions that are coming in about this goddamn offensive line right it was incredible if you will now we heard all of the stuff at the start of um, camp you know this competition on the right side between you know Turner and Taylor and then we see what happened to Taylor and then Wagner comes in and you know Jenkins is jumping around the line on the game which is just incredible now when James Campen was there I was like don't worry about the O-line these lads are fine with Campen but Campen's now like long gone what are the Packers doing and is it shocking you with this offensive line how they're able to come in and just take over the mantle with seemingly no hassle whatsoever well, one of the things I wrote in our Insider Inbox column is, I, I think, and you know this too, Elton Jenkins looks like he's going to be a really special guard in this league. Uh, he he has it just 10-year NFL starter written all over him. He impressed me last year with how he came in. But one of the things I don't think I gave him enough credit for is the fact that I think he's just a pretty darn good offensive lineman. Uh, you know, he played center at, in college, and then they ask him to go out there at right tackle. And obviously, unique uh, and Gu- and Gakwe. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he's in his first game. So I guess, you know, you got to give him that kind of credit, but I was a little bit nervous when I saw that that was the way that they were going to be, you know, sorting this thing out. Yeah. And then lo and behold, Jenkins just holds down the Ford out there. He looked fine. He looked natural. Mm. Uh, the injury happens to Lucas Patrick. He has to go back to left guard, you know, Rick Wagner, who was much maligned for most of this off season. Well, he looks just darn fine over there too. <laughs> they lose you know, Lane Taylor, unfortunately, and then John Runyon goes in there. I mean, I think first and foremost, the credit goes to those, those guys for being able to to step up and, and play uh, exceptional football to keep Aaron Rodgers clean that entire game. But also Adam Stenovich, here's a guy that does have some ties to that Shanahan LaFleur offense. That was one of the big reasons why Matt wanted to hire him yeah. two years ago. And lo and behold, look how he's been able to develop some of these young offensive linemen. I think that's a testament to him and the fact that Despite everything that worked against him in that game, the Packers rolled with the punches and put together a really solid performance. Yeah, it's just incredible. It just blew my mind because I was like, oh, this is going to be an absolute train wreck. And then we see all of that stuff happening 
um, with the injuries and I was like oh god no this is not going to work but just the lack of pressures no sacks um, it just blew me away but looking ahead to the Lions um, and I know you've probably got a billion questions in the inbox again for this but we can't go by with a <laughs> Lions quick snaps preview game without talking about AP Adrian Peterson um, who seemingly Frank Gore-esque in his sort of um, the way he's able to maintain what he's doing. Now, I watched in preparation for the preview the game against the Bears and Lions. And to be honest, Wes, like, I know he's not peak Adrian Peterson, but he's still looking pretty good. Is he the X factor, do you think, to this yeah. game? And are they going to use him, do you reckon, fairly early and, and try run it down our necks? Yeah, unequivocally. Uh, this is another thing I wrote in Inbox when I was revisiting this. The year could be 2030, Adrian Peterson could be 45 years old, and he's still going to be, you know, giving the Packers heart palpitations. I mean, that's just, that's the type of player he is. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, for a lot of years it was at the Minnesota Vikings, but the jersey really doesn't matter. I mean, this is a guy that brings it. He brought it with Washington when the Packers squared off with him, and I think you're going to see him do that again. He had a really solid game last week against the Chicago Bears, and this looks like a, a Lions team that, you know, they've had a lot of questions for a lot of years about their running game, but it seems like a team that is really putting more of a concerted effort behind that. And, it, you know, if I'm Matt Patricia and I'm these, you know, Daryl Bevel and the offensive coaches, I look at Peterson's past history against Green Bay and I look at the fact that Kenny Clark right now isn't practicing because of the groin injury. Yeah. And that's probably a starting point for me. That's probably something I want to be able to test a little bit. Uh, but as you said, I mean, the one thing I have so much respect for Peterson, I have so much respect for Frank Gore, too. Mm. Their position isn't given the benefit of the doubt very much. Uh, if you start to show signs of, you know, regression or kind of losing a step, teams will move on fast and the NFL will forget about you. Uh, both of those two guys have made themselves unforgettable and it's the reason why they're still making an impact today yeah it is it's one of those positions isn't it it's so easy to get injured and as you say it's sort of what have you done for me lately we see Eddie Lacey he was an absolute hero in Green Bay and of course all the issues that kind of went on there and, and fell out of the league but we look at that Vikings game and we see the gaudy stats, Wes, and, you know, we see the sort of misdirections. And again, you and Spot for great at highlighting that stuff and sort of digging down deep and getting past the BS. But what I'd like to know from you is, you know, from a guy who covers the team for a living, who's at all the practices, gets all of the, you know, the even the nuances from what the coaches say. I was wondering, do you see that translating yeah. to the Lions game? Because... You know, were we fortunate that Aaron Rodgers was firing on all cylinders, that, you know, there was um, injuries there with the Vikings and the misdirection plays, some of them worked out. You know, it was a couple of trick plays to me that kind of didn't come off. I mean, is mm-hmm. do you see what happened against the Vikings being typical of having the fingerprints of Matt LaFleur's offense? Or did everything just fall into place and all of the stars align in that one game to begin with? And you wouldn't expect the offense to be firing that perfectly, barring it going perfectly again, sort of, you know, everyone reading their star yeah. signs and doing their tea leaves and everything else. But is that typical of the LaFleur <laughs> offense that it is this intricate and you'd expect them to bring that against the Lions? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I don't know. You can't you can't jot down for 500 plus yards and 40 points and 30 plus turnover, or 30 plus uh, first downs without a turnover. Yeah. You can't do that every week. But that being said, I think the basic, uh, you know, parts of that scheme, that is a reflection of what LaFleur wants to do. And it's a reflection of that Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, you know, Sean McVay, the list goes on and on that, that popular type of bunch formations, multiple tight ends, motion, misdirection, end arounds. That's something the Packers want to be able to achieve. And I, I thought one of the things that they did really well against the Vikings, and I think really can be something that transcends these upcoming matchups are that, you know, they were able to establish a 
a rhythm early. It was very high percentage. It was very efficient. It was mostly about just getting the first down. And as they built that and they got that ball rolling, that's when the big plays started to come out of it. That's when you saw the defense start to wear down. I think that's where they want to get this thing because they have home run threats. You saw it with Mm. Marquez Valdez-Scantling in that game. I mean, my goodness, the performance he could have had if, you know, he pulled down that, that deep ball too. I mean, he still was exceptional in that game and I thought showed you what he offers. I think Alan Lazard is a, a really stable and consistent presence that Aaron Rodgers knows if he throws the ball in his direction, hmm. at worst it's going to be an incompletion and at best it's going to be a big play. And then you just can't say enough about Devontae Adams. I mean, this is a guy that is starting to carve out a place in franchise history of being one of the best receivers the Packers have ever seen. So uh, in that regard, I just think all offseason they talked about marrying the run in the past. I thought that game was a perfect reflection of that. And yeah, honestly, if the misdirection works again, if the end arounds are successful again, if you get Tyler Irvin going out for 21 yards here and there, yeah. those are things I expect to see against the Lions and I expect to see moving forward because th- that makes defenses think even more and the more that they're thinking, the more you can capitalize on some of those big plays over the top. Yeah, it's incredible the amount of ways that LaFleur can seemingly beat you. And I know that the draft and everyone's moaning about the Jordan Love pick and the Guara and AJ Dillon was probably too early and all of this kind of stuff. But the offseason being the offseason, I did a whole breakdown on an offseason podcast because offseason and I was looking at like wide receiver twos and the teams that made the playoffs and I was trying to find out was there any credence to the fact that teams with a really legit second wide receiver the teams that are the most successful now when I looked at it that's not what I saw I saw the teams with one standout wide out and then they went to like you know say Derrick Henry obviously being the running back I mean just dominated but then you looked they had a really strong tight end we're not short of tight ends with the Packers do you have any thought about like um, kind of what you spoke about there? Do we need that? I don't want to call it the obvious uh, second wide receiver because Alan Lazard seemingly catches anything you throw his way. Uh, and is there is there anything wrong with sort of a, a seeming over-dependence on Devontae Adams being wide receiver number one? Because surely you want to use your superstar talent as much as you can, right? Well, and Stephen, one thing I really like that Green Bay has going for them right now is that, you know, you talk about these places like Cleveland right now. OBJ isn't getting the targets he wants. Allen Robinson isn't getting the targets he wants in Chicago. That, that Those are some of the more real things. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, gets put out there in the media and it becomes a narrative yeah. and it's just, it doesn't really infiltrate the locker room. Mm. Those type of things are the things that I think can affect the way a team offensively operates because now there's pressure to get those guys the ball. Aaron Rodgers doesn't feel pressure. And and to be honest with you, he didn't feel pressure five years ago when he had, you know, Nelson Cobb and Adams. Those guys knew that if they ran their route, they're going to get the football and that the ball's going to get spread around. Yeah. They just right now where where they're in a sweet spot with this offense. And it's what people don't understand. If you don't just cover the team and follow the team, even as a fan every day is that they have pieces that complement each other. Josiah DeGuara is a perfect complementary piece to this offense much like Kyle Juszczyk is doing the same thing with the San Francisco 49ers. Is he going to have 10 carries a game? No. Is he going to have five catches a game? Not every week, but he can block, he can pass, he can do all these different things to make the team better. He can help roll through two Vikings defenders to let Alan Lazard go 19 yards on an end around. Hmm. Nobody's talking about at the beginning of the season how many catches or how many carries Alan Lazard's going to have, but those are positive yards. They're positive plays. And that's what I like about the way that this is built. Everybody was thinking, okay, the Packers need a receiver. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. That's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Inside this building with Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, they wanted another running back. 
like A.J. Dillon that they're going to be able to use throughout the course of the season. They wanted more of a flex move tight end like Josiah DeGuara. Mm. Where they put their emphasis is where they saw their offense going. And as difficult as that can be for people who just want to talk about how many yards a receiver has or how many touchdowns he has, there's a bigger picture in play here. And that's one of the reasons I think with having Devontae Adams as your star number one, the rest sort of falls in line after that. Yeah, and I mean, I've said it on our podcast, I'm willing to die on that hill. You know, I'm sort of saying like, lads, can we stop talking about the second wide receiver? Because what I sort of saw from the stats was, and I know we're coming to the end of our time, it's just that when they use Tyler Irvin, you know, they might use him on an end around once, but it went for 12 yards. So they seem to be able to use these players and get the most out of that type of thing. You know, like a 12-yard first down, happy days, on your march up the field, and it's very, very effective. Let me jump in here too, because I just want to add one other thing to that too. The Packers, like, you got to look at it, too, like MVS. You know, this is a young guy yet. Al mm. Mazar is only 24 years old. I mean, it's so difficult in this league to be able to acquire top-notch receiving talent. They don't reach free agency very often, and it takes a lot of assets to be able to trade for them. Yeah, Everybody wanted the Packers to draft a receiver, and that might be a really good investment for the future at this point. But as far as it was going to affect the 2020 team, the Packers' best chance of making a step forward, especially if Devin Funches was going to opt out, yeah. was building within and getting their young guys, getting them some confidence and opportunities. And I thought that was a perfect reflection of it on Sunday. Yeah, 100%. Because I, again, went through all of the years, all of the top receivers that were drafted in first, second, third rounds. And then I looked at what they did in the first, second and third seasons. And it is not pretty viewing. Apart from Michael Thomas, it is not pretty viewing. Everyone pretty much drops yeah. off. And the biggest impact as I found was from free agents, which, again, we know how well the Packers have yeah. done with the likes of that. You only have to look, as you said, sort of Alan Lazard's career and his projection and what he's doing and the fact he's catching everything and gaining more confidence, um, which is absolutely incredible. So, Wes, to end this show, um, when you're looking at this uh, Lions game, have you got one or two just really quick points as to what you're looking out for in particular in this matchup? I wrote about it uh, on a story that's going to be on our website this week. I think this is a game where Christian Kirksey and Chris Barnes really have to have a good game. Yeah. Uh, I think the Packers, especially if Kenny Clark isn't able to go, uh, that front is going to be tested and they're going to need those linebackers to stay off blocks and be able to corral Adrian Peterson. Because even though he might not have the home run speed he once did, mm. the guy is a boatload for defensive backs to handle. You have to be able to put hats on him. And I, I really think that that's going to be a big starting point. If you shut that down, and then you're able to start queuing in a little bit more on Matthew Stafford. That's going to be advantageous. we got to see what all these injuries are going to look like for the Lions. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they could look a lot differently uh, with how banged up they are at cornerback. And if that's the case, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, if you can get that going again, you can get those wheels moving in the first and second quarter. I really like the Packers' chances at the, as that game wears on. Yeah, um, we have to do it in regulation because like, we can't do it the same as we've done it last season where you know we have to depend <laughs> on Mason, although he is dependable to come out and kick our way to victory. We would like a more comfortable win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. The, do you know what? I was only saying that last week on social. I was like, it's, so this what it feels like going into the two-minute warning actually relaxed and not sort of panicking and sweating <laughs> and all that, like that gif, you know, where your man's like sweating profusely. Um, but look, uh, Mr. Hodquitz, it's absolutely fantastic. People can find you on Twitter, on Instagram, on the Insider Inbox all over the Packers Unscripted podcast basically the website is there anywhere else we can find Wes and get your get your content I think that's about it other than snail mail <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, think you got it, I think you got it all covered <laughs> yeah don't be licking stamps send in emails for God's sake in the, in the <laughs> atmosphere that's in it Wes you're an absolute gentleman as always cheers for coming on buddy alright thanks brother appreciate you